Mish speaking, Kevin Levine, a.k.a. Mazatov Cocktails. I'm not going to lie, boys. I'm fucking hyped for this next season. You might not feel that way right now. Your fantasy football wieners are probably flaccid and lifeless because we're just in that dead time in the offseason. But the NFL free agency, done. NFL draft, done. We are now under three months from our league draft in San Diego. I'm fucking hyped. So get your plane tickets, get a dog sitter, duct tape your butthole. You're not going to want to miss this shit. That being said, some of you might miss this shit. And I feel bad for you. Anyways, this pod is officially episode one of season two. We are kicking this shit off right now to start sending blood to your lifeless, flaccid fantasy football wieners. Where you at, Lamar? Where you at, Lamar? Let's talk for a second about having a podcast for fantasy football. Um, It was a learning experience. I think we did a pretty good job last year, but we didn't really know what the fuck we were doing. I went back, I listened to some episodes, I... I might have cringed a little bit, but that's good because I know this season will be better, more veteran-like, more digestible material. I mean, I don't even really know if we want to have like a bigger audience. This shit is cool because it's like documenting our shit. And you know if you get popular, then you can't keep playing all this copywritten music the way I do. And it's kind of dope to just jam out the way we want to, you know what I'm saying? So here's what I'm about to get into in this episode. Addressing why this season, 2022, is about to be the most legendary, amazing, highest stakes, baller-ass shit season we've ever fucking had. Maybe it's just my opinion, but it's the fucking storylines. I'm going to drop maybe a minute or two for each team, each squad, and what the storyline is going into 2022 season. A little history first. You know, then what they got to do, what each team has got to do to get to the fucking trophy. Also going to end this episode with my predictions for 1 through 12. Who's going to finish where? I think that's a pretty good tease to make you want to see what the fuck is going to happen as this episode unfolds. But that's not the only tease. There's another tease. I'll say this. There may be an unexpected or surprise people or persons who might be coming to San Diego It could be someone that's not even in the league that just wants to party with us. Stay tuned, because if this is true, it's pretty fucking bonkers. But anyways, uh, alright, now that your boners are prepped, let's get into this shit. Alright, so I'm gonna go down the list, one team at a time. Let's fucking go. Jamie James Lopez, aka Team of Zeros. That's right, I'm starting this shit off with Jamie Probably because, as you know, he finished in last place and at this point is yet to do the pancake challenge of his fucking punishment, which he's going to have to do. I mean, he said he's going to do it. He's procrastinating. Um, I mean, is that like, is he getting it done on Mexican time? Is that what's going on? Uh, You know, we're ready for you, Jamie. Let's see it. For the record, I think we can say Mexican time. It's not racist. It's just like a stereotype that has been proven to be accurate over time. Anyways, in the 2020 season... Jamie was the hero, but in 2021, he was a zero. The first team to ever win the trophy in the next season finish in last place. The Toilet Bowl champion. Jamie, a thought just occurred to me that if you don't do the 24 Pancake Challenge by the time we get to San Diego, you could just do it with us there. I mean, that might be kind of fun, but 
I mean, it's, it might be miserable for you, so you might want to get that shit done first. Here's what Jamie's got going for him in 2022. Well, he's got the number one draft pick for starters. Uh, that's not too fucking shabby. But is he going to keep Josh Jacobs as a first-round tender? Or is he going to take his choice of the best available player on the market? It's hard to know. It's hard to know what's going on in Jamie's mind. But in my opinion, these are the best options for keepers that Jamie has. He's got Dak Prescott as a six-rounder, CeeDee Lamb as a fifth-rounder, James Robinson as a fourth-rounder, Corderell Patterson as an eighth-rounder, Michael Pittman Jr. as a six-rounder. But if Jamie had any real balls, I think he'd keep Calvin Ridley as a second-rounder. Ridley is indeed suspended for the whole season for gambling after quitting last year for mental reasons. I think that could be a pretty big flex just to keep him on your roster and somehow still find a way to win the league. I mean, do what you got to do. But if you keep Ridley, you would be a legend. Real talk, though. Anytime you have the number one pick, you have an opportunity to get a game changer. Or maybe you trade away like the number one pick to get the guy that you want on somebody else's roster. Needless to say, our league is set up for this last place team to reload with heavy artillery and head back into battle with guns blazing. Let's see what the fuck Jamie can do. Joe Debo, aka the Danimals, the defending champion. I'm bringing up Joe next because I think he's the perfect example of how a squad can finish in last place, get the number one draft pick, and then turn shit around. It's actually some pretty crazy shit because Joe made history the same year Jamie did, just in the opposite way. Joe finished in last place in 2020 and then first place the very next year. Did having the number one draft pick help make that happen? Yeah, I'd say having Jonathan Taylor last year was a pretty good thing, but Jonathan Taylor is valued as a first-round tender. Picking 12th and getting Jonathan Taylor is kind of a pretty decent option for Joe. But here's some other options that Joe has. He could take Jamar Chase as a sixth-rounder, Jalen Waddell as a ninth-rounder, Elijah Mitchell as a seventh-rounder, DeAndre Swift as a third-rounder, Cam Akers as a sixth-rounder, Amon Ross St. Brown as a sixth-rounder, Aaron Rodgers as a third. So, looking at these keeper options, I think not only did Joe have the number one pick last year, uh, he drafted pretty well. So, he's got some pieces to build off of here and stay at the top of, in an elite level of the league. At this point, I think it's safe to say Joe is the Vegas odds favorite to win next season. Let's not forget, Joe snuck in the playoffs last year, though, with the number seven seed in a six and eight record. We know the deal with seven seeds. Also, the high points overall tiebreaker that allowed Joe to get into the playoffs last year will not be in effect next year. Next year, the tiebreaker will be just pure record, and then it'll total points will be the second tiebreaker. But anyways, having two championships now, he's won more than any of us. Nobody has ever won back-to-back -back championships, though. Is it safe to say that history is Joe's biggest obstacle for 2022? <laughs> Greg Dragonetti, a.k.a. Stein, and Justin Graninger, a.k.a. Arizona, too legit to quit. What the fuck is this? Who are these guys? We got new ownership in the league, gentlemen. Andrew Levine, my flesh and blood, along with Pollock, they forfeited their squad indefinitely. That is a conversation for another day. But Greg, he's not a new face to this league. He won this bitch like 10 years ago in the Yahoo format. <laughs> so you guys know that's like the Cleveland Browns winning the Super Bowl before the NFL was a thing. But anyways, we got a new competitor in the ring 
and Greg recruits Justin to come on board and to try to make some noise, to do some fucking damage in 2022. Some history. Last year, Andrew and Pollock finished second to last place. That means Greg and Justin, they get the second pick in this first round this year. Here's some of the keeper options that they inherited. Austin Eckler, seventh rounder. No-brainer. This is a fucking keeper for them. Also, Darren Waller is a fourth. They could keep Aaron Jones as a first. DeAndre Hopkins is a second. Rashad Penny is an 11th. Darnell Mooney is a 7th. Maybe not the deepest options here, but let's imagine they keep Austin Eckler as a 7, Darren Waller as a 4. Then they get the number 2 overall pick. This is going to be a team that we need to worry about and keep an eye on. Andrew and Pollock, they made it to the championship game in 2020. So last year, second to last place finish against fucking Jamie of all people. The same team they played in the championship and ends up being the same team they play in the toilet bowl the very next year. You could make the argument that Greg and Justin are walking into a bit of a rivalry there against Jamie. But anyways, welcome to the fucking league, gentlemen. You are walking in with a target on your back. I think we all know you're going to be trying to take our fucking money next year. Adam Costello, a.k.a. The Average Joes. Speaking of new squads and owners in the league, Adam was a new owner as of midseason last year. After Blake attempted midseason collusion with a sketchy Travis Kelsey for Hunter Henry trade, he was out. He quit, so we had an opening, and Adam had first dibs at taking over his own squad. Now, we all know Adam and Shane have been co-owners for years, but Adam, he jumps at the opportunity to take over Blake's squad here. So now, Blake left behind a pretty decent squad, but I think it's safe to say with Adam as captain of the ship, calling the shots here, that this team got even better, even more dangerous last year. Adam made the playoffs, and I barely beat him in the first round. I was happy to survive that matchup because Adam's squad legit gave me a scare. But now, after an early playoff exit, he comes back with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder for next year. So, he's got the 8th overall pick, and he's going to have to make some tough decisions here. Is he going to keep Joe Mixon as a first rounder? Or does he take a new guy with that 8th overall pick in the first round? Here's some keeper options that Adam has. He's got Joe Burrow as a 4th rounder, Travis Kelsey as a 1st rounder, Debo Samuel as a 7th rounder, Mike Evans as a 4th rounder, Michael Carter as a 7th rounder, Mike Williams as an 11th rounder, Travis Etienne as a 3rd rounder as well. He could technically keep Joe Mixon and Travis Kelsey both as 1st rounders and then just not have a pick until the 3rd round, but I think, I feel like Adam, who is a 49ers fan, is probably going to keep Debo Samuel as a 7th. So if Adam goes Joe Mixon and then Debo Samuel, this will be the first time in four years that Travis Kelsey was not somebody's keeper. I mean, I'd say a good chance we see Travis Kelsey available to draft in the first round, gentlemen. But anyways, this will be the first time Adam will be drafting his very own team from the get-go. So we have no idea what to expect here. He could completely shit his pants, but also he could run it back next year Stronger and more dangerous than he was in 2021. Shane Corey, a.k.a. whatever fucking team name he comes up with here. He's had some crazy shit go down in the last couple seasons. He had arguably the best team in the league 2020. He had the most total points. He went and got the number two seed, but then lost in the first round of the playoffs. But then the following year, 2021, after some injury problems, Adam jumps ship after years of being co-owners like we just talked about, and he leaves Shane to have the worst record 
in the league and the worst he's ever actually had in history. But luckily for Shane, he pulled off an upset in the toilet bowl and avoided last place punishment. So Shane does not get the first overall pick in the draft, but he does get the third. Also, Shane looked ahead to next season and he made a blockbuster trade to end the season with me, Najee Harris, for an injured Derrick Henry. Now, Derrick Henry did make a late season appearance in the playoffs, so I think that fucking foot injury is going to be a non-issue. There's no reason to believe he won't be ready to hit the fucking gridiron in 2022 like the absolute freak of nature that he is. I think it's safe to say, though, there's no mystery who Shane will be keeping in 2022. Dalvin Cook as a second rounder, Derrick Henry as a third rounder. If Shane takes a running back with his early first round pick, I think we could comfortably say he will have the best running back trio in the league. We will definitely be keeping an eye on what Shane does with that first round pick. Can you build a dominant, well-balanced team around three running backs though? Not hitting any other positions until the fourth round. I get the feeling he's going to try. I mean, maybe it's a situation you just take the best available player and use that as trade bait. I don't know, but I know all of this discussion of strategy will be part of the heated and drunken negotiations that will be taking place in San Diego Thursday and Friday before the draft. The real question for Shane this season is, can he rebuild back to his 2020 form before he dropped to his knees last year, the bottom of the league style? I think the late season trade put him in a position to have a nice bounce back season. Ryan Blackcamp, but also Bergcamp. I've also heard him referred to as that, AKA Moose Knucklers. Ryan is now a few years removed from winning the championship. He was the first of us to drink out of the illustrious trophy in 2018. Since that epic run, he's been struggling to make the playoffs though. He, is, he did come close. Last year, he came close. If the ball bounced a little differently, he would have snagged that seventh playoff spot instead of DeBoe. That would have been crazy. But looking at Ryan's roster for 2022, I think he's going to need to make a move, possibly before the draft here, or else he could be in trouble this year. I mean, last year, 2021, Ryan's keepers were Devontae Adams in the first round, Zeke Elliott in the second round. So his first actual pick was Miles Sanders in the third round. I already talked to Ryan, and he's not keeping Zeke this year. But will he keep Devontae Adams with his number one pick? He picks fourth in the first round. That is kind of a tough call here. Um, is Devontae Adams worthy of the fourth best overall player? But then if he doesn't keep either of those guys, who else would Ryan keep? Um, he has Hunter Renfro as a ninth rounder, Tyler Lockett as a fifth rounder, Miles Sanders as a third rounder, Amari Cooper is a fourth rounder. Being honest, none of these keeper combos really give off playoff or even contender vibes. I think Ryan needs to take a look around the league on the keeper's draft board. He needs to pick a player that he wants that's on someone else's roster currently. He needs to negotiate a trade for a draft pick. I mean, let's say, for example, he wants to get Christian McCaffrey from Bunis and Tim. Maybe he also then has to give up his third or fourth round draft pick. But maybe Bunis and Tim, they weren't going to keep Christian McCaffrey anyway. Maybe they're just on the fence, but if they'd rather get an extra draft pick, if that was an option for them. So maybe Ryan tries to give a draft pick for Najee Harris from, to me. I mean, you get the picture here. He can make some moves to better his situation. That being said, I think he actually has to make moves to better his situation. Or Ryan's looking at another year outside of the playoffs. Prove me wrong, Ryan. Prove me wrong. All right. 
That's half the league that we just discussed so far. We talked about Jamie, Debo, Greg and Justin, Adam, Shane and Ryan. But I'm going to switch gears for a minute here. One of the things I teased you about early in the episode was us having a surprise guest in San Diego. So check this out. This podcast has a very small and an intimate following. There's some people that are entertained by what we got going on in this league. I mean, which is kind of pretty fucking cool if you ask me. So I made Facebook friends a couple months ago with a couple guys named Alfonso and Sharifer. They happened to be super entertained with our league, and they started asking me about the draft in San Diego. It turns out these guys go to San Diego quite a bit, and they live in Costa Rica. They want to have beers with us gentlemen in San Diego this August 25th through 28th. So there it is, making international friends, spreading the good word of fantasy fucking football. Let's fucking go. Alfonso and Sharif, can't wait to fucking meet you guys. All right, diving into the last six teams here. These are the storylines. This is the narrative. Each squad has coming into the draft this summer, into the season of 2022. Where are they coming from? Where are they going? We got to talk about me, Mazel Tov Cocktails, baby. Bunis and Tim, Taylor, Chris fucking Hill, Justin and Radke. Don't sleep on Radke. This year, I got a story about him. Taylor Gillespie, a.k.a. whatever fucking team he names himself. First of all, props to Taylor for his competitiveness, his engagement in this league. I know not everyone in this league is down to call me at 2 a.m. to talk about fantasy football or at least leave a five-minute voicemail about it because I'm passed out. Taylor's an OG, though. I love you, T, but I got to take you to the woodshed right now for the late-season collapse that you had last year. I mean, what the fuck happened? Taylor finished 10-4. and four. He had the number two seed in the playoffs. I mean, he didn't just lose in the first round of the playoffs to the seven seed. He got fucking drilled, pounded, ass-raped, 160 to 89. I'm positive that Taylor tried to forget this to drown his sorrows in the bottle of alcohol and whatever other recreation he does, but this fucking happened. So I'm bringing it back up. Yes, Lamar Jackson was injured and he had to start Taysom Hill in that first round playoffs. But still, I mean, there's more to the story here. A sort of strange karma, maybe? I mean, earlier in the season, when Taylor played DeBow, DeBow won the game on paper. Like, the app said that he won, but it was very close. And then Taylor pointed out that there was a roster violation that caused the outcome to be overturned. The T.Y. Hilton game. This leads to a rule change in the offseason that this year gives everyone a self-declared keeper. Or maybe we call this rule the T.Y. Hilton rule from now on. But anyways, if this outcome didn't get overturned, it's likely Joe would have ended up getting the sixth seed and not the seventh seed because he would have won that game. But then this ass pounding that Taylor took in the first round from Joe may have never happened because Joe wouldn't have been his opponent. But needless to say, I love the storyline moving forward of Taylor versus Joe. Taylor didn't get to the 10 and four by pure luck though. I mean, he's got some solid pieces here. Last year, he kept Terry McLaurin as a five, Stephon Diggs as a six. This year, he could keep those two again. They'd be four and a five this year. Or he could go Leonard Fournette as an eighth rounder. Maybe Jerry Judy as a ninth rounder. Or maybe he makes trade. But my bet is that Taylor's going to go Leonard Fournette as an eighth rounder and Stephon Diggs as a fifth. Five and an eight. He does have the sixth overall pick in the first round. 
Knowing the competitor that Taylor is, he's going to have a chip on his shoulder about the playoffs. He's going to learn from some of the mistakes he made last year. I think there might have been a drunken trade or two that happened. But if Taylor can lock down a couple solid early picks, he'll be back in the playoffs. It's a matter of what he does from there. Bunis and Tim, a.k.a. Cousins Fuckers. How about these guys? Riding out the same keepers for three years in a row. George Kittle, and Christian McCaffrey. Yes, they did lead them to a championship in 2019, but it's been pain and misery ever since then. Now, last year they did get a halfway productive year from these guys. They did end up in the playoffs with a 7-7 seven seven record with the sixth seed, and they went blow for blow with Justin in the first round. But that was just the game that Tom Brady had the worst of his career and a 9-0 loss to the New Orleans Saints. So they fell short, and Christian McCaffrey, of course, was on the IR for that game. The big question this year is will they keep Christian McCaffrey as a first rounder? Yes, all the experts still have him as a top 10 guy, but is he suddenly going to be more healthy this year? Like, they're obviously going to keep George Kittle, though. He's valued as a 10th rounder. Tom Brady, TB12, as a 7th rounder, that's another option. They also got Deontay Johnson as a 5th. They got Brandon Cooks as a ninth. They got Keenan Allen as its 2nd rounder. They got big decisions to make. Their success this year could once again hinge on Christian McCaffrey staying healthy. That's got to be like a nauseating storyline for them year after year at this point. I mean, they got the seventh pick in the first round. Since 2019, they've been at the top and the bottom, and then basically they go into this season as the middle. I think it's important to note that they will not be at the live draft in San Diego because Tim is getting married in South Carolina. Bunis will be his maid of honor, so congrats, bro. I'm happy for you. Another storyline for this squad, though, will be how they put together a solid draft this year with all those wedding activities going on. I'd like to note we were obligated to offer Tim his own team after Andrew and Pollock tapped out, and he turned it down. Um, they got a loyal co-ownership going, and for the record, the team name is Cousins Fuckers. Plural. You dirty bastards. <laughs> Christopher Hill, a.k.a. Old Dirty Bastards. Last year, Chris was all over the fucking place. He had some flashes of brilliance, but ultimately he was not a team that he himself could be proud of. Not a team that was up to his usual high standards. Last year, he kept Nick Chubb as his first rounder, TJ Hawkinson as an eighth rounder. Solid keepers, I would say, but it was his third, fourth, and fifth pick that really kind of fucked him over, I think. So his third round pick last year was Raheem Mostert, Torn ACL didn't play a fucking game. His fourth round pick was Julio Jones, who was mostly non-existent. And his fifth round pick was Kenny Galladay. You know, sometimes I guess you just strike out in the draft. But that being said, Chris actually finished pretty strong for being 6-8. and eight. I mean, he didn't make the playoffs, but he did win the first ever loser's bracket, a.k.a. Toilet Bowl. So, I mean, that came with winning a good chunk of money back. I think it was 150 but the question for Chris is, who's he going to keep this year? He's got the fifth overall pick in the first round. So Nick Chubb, arguably his best player, is valued as a first rounder. But is Nick Chubb the fifth best overall player in the entire draft? That's a decision Chris has to make. Some other keepers Chris has. Matt Stafford as an 11th. Damian Harris as a 6th. TJ Hawkinson as a 7th. Kyler Murray as a second rounder, Michael Thomas as a seventh rounder, Tony Pollard of the Cowboys as a ninth rounder. So a lot to think about right there. 
The good thing for Chris, though, is I don't think he's going to go two seasons in a row not making the playoffs. He'll figure this shit out one way or another. Now, one other thing that happened last year is Chris Hill got passed on the all-time wins list by Justin. He had that top spot for years. I don't even know how many years. He did say that it means nothing to him because it doesn't include playoff wins. But we'll see if he can get it dialed in this year, maybe get that record back. I know we'll see him at the live draft in San Diego. Fuck yeah, Chris. So cheers to that shit. We'll have plenty of time before the draft to uh, inquire about his thought processes and strategy and see if he gives us throws us any bones. Christopher Radke, a.k.a. Riot Punch. Chris Radke has had the most wins over the last three years, but only two third-place finishes to show for it, and last year he lost in the third-place game to his cousin Justin. So which direction is Radke headed? Is he going up? Is he going down? Last year's playoff loss was devastating for Radke. It was another year with the best record in the league and the number one seed in the first round bye, but he came up short. Radke told me after losing he had to rethink if he was going to be coming back to this league. I'm pretty sure he traveled deep into the mountains of South America or some shit, and he just sat in the edge of a cliff thinking about it, you know, just sitting there, maybe meditating or something. Like, how devastating to be in the first place for the regular season but not bring home that trophy, trophy, trophy. Two months later, Radke informs me that a decision has been made. He's coming back, and he wants to take our fucking money. So, here's who Radke kept last year. He kept Patrick Mahomes as a first-rounder and Antonio Gibson as an eighth-rounder. Radke has kept Patrick Mahomes for three years in a row. But has Patrick Mahomes been his secret to success? Or has Patrick Mahomes been holding him back? Holding him back from greatness? I think this year, we're about to find out. Because here's who else Radke might keep. He could keep Javante Williams as a second-rounder, T. Higgins as a fifth-rounder, Hollywood Brown as a sixth-rounder, Mark Andrews as a sixth-rounder, Chase Edmonds as a third-rounder, Marquez Valdez-Scantling as a 13th-rounder. He's apparently now the deep threat in Kansas City. But I have no clue what the best keeper options are here, but Radke's season will likely depend on which keepers he's going to go with. Is it more of the same, or is it going to be time for a new direction? Regardless, Radke almost quit, but he's coming back. He fucking came back with only one goal in mind, once and for all, to take home the goddamn trophy. So I would expect the eye of the tiger out of this guy. He's fucking gunning for our money this year. Justin, a.k.a. Victory Formation. Justin accomplished some big things last season. He passed Chris Hill for all-time wins. He then reestablished himself again as a top contender in the league with a third-place finish. But does Justin have the pieces in place to build on the third-place finish? Was last year just a fluke? Here's who Justin kept last year. He kept Chris Carson as a second-rounder and David Montgomery as a fifth-rounder. Do I think he'll keep those same guys again this year? Nope. David Montgomery will be a fourth-rounder this year, so maybe him. But who else? Chris Godwin as a third rounder, J.K. Dobbins as a sixth rounder, Justin Jefferson as a fourth rounder, Christian Kirk as an 11th rounder, or maybe he stays with Tyreek the Freak as a number one. Tyreek may not be bad as a keeper, but is he the 10th best player in the draft? All of these are questions Justin has to be asking himself. Like, what the fuck will Justin do here? I do know this, though. Justin has built up rivals on his way back to the top. 
and you don't win more games than anyone in the league and not piss off a few people on the way. Some of those pissed off people include Radke, Bunis and Tim, always Taylor, uh, Chris Hill, probably just to name a few right there. But so Justin, he's got a, he's going to have a target on his back next year. I mean, he's going to have to be extra solid with this draft to compensate for everybody who's going to be gunning for his fucking shit. You know, they're gunning for his shit. So again, the storyline for victory formation is he is a contender going into 2022, but there's a lot riding on these draft picks for him. He's got to actually get better than he was last year. If he makes a wrong move, he could be going backwards. And then there's me, Kevin, Mazel Tov Cocktails. I had my best ever team last year. I had Derrick Henry, but I had to give him up. I made a lot of moves, and I ended up in the championship game, but I fell short. Last year, my keepers were Derrick Henry as a fourth and Josh Allen as a seventh. I scored a lot of points. I, I, I was definitely the highest in points, but it just wasn't enough in the end. I got to keep this momentum going. Here's some options that I have as keepers. I got Josh Allen as a six, Cooper Cup as a fifth, Najee Harris as a first, James Conner as a ninth, DK Metcalf as a fourth, AJ Brown as a second, Kyle Pitts as a third. There's a good chance I just don't keep a running back and maybe I go Cooper Cup, Josh Allen, five, six, you know what I'm saying? Or maybe I pass on one of those guys and go Najee Harris in the first round. I mean, keeping a first-rounder like Najee Harris is tempting when I got such a late first-round pick. I pick 11th. But to dominate in this league, you need some top-notch running backs. So I got some big decisions to make. I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do yet. But I can tell you, after getting my first taste of playoff wins last year, I'm fucking hungry for more. I'm going to be training like Rocky. I'm going to be eating raw eggs and shit. I'm going to be slapping meat in a freezer. The bottom line here is I want this fucking trophy. And I got the eye of the tiger. So... Gentlemen, let's fucking go. I'll see you out there. It's going to get dirty this year. So, without factoring in everybody's keepers, it's a bit early to make a prediction on where everybody's going to finish next year, but fuck it, here I am. I'm doing it anyway. I'm going to factor in things like what keeper options does each team even have? How does each team typically make decisions? Also, who's got that fucking look in their eye like like a wolf? Like, like you don't want to bump into that dude in a dark alley. Like, he's going to tear some shit up. So I'm factoring in other options like what kind of alcohol each of you like to drink, who your favorite NFL teams are. Did you show up to OTAs? I mean, do you stream NFL games for free or do you actually pay for the Sunday ticket? These are all factors. Anyways, here we go. Starting with number 12. Ryan. He put himself in a bad spot with prior years keepers and now he's got limited options as keepers Devonte adams is good but i'd rather not take him as my first rounder i mean he's got to make a trade in my opinion we talked about that before the draft i also don't think he's going to make that trade happen it just doesn't really seem like it's his style but i don't know ryan could absolutely get lucky but of all the teams and scenarios i see ryan's as having the worst pieces to work with number 11 Eunice and Tim. Eunice and Tim have kind of been like all over the place for the last few years. Um, they just continue to kind of believe Christian McCaffrey will come back each year healthier or better. But I, I actually see them keeping him again this year. And maybe he stays healthy. Maybe he stays healthy because Carolina doesn't use him as much. But I do think one big factor is them not being in San Diego is going to hurt the quality of their draft. Number 10. Jamie. 
That's right, I got Jamie missing the playoffs for the second year in a row after winning the trophy. His keeper situation honestly isn't bad. In fact, he's got some pretty good pieces to work with, I think. Uh, but I, I don't know. I think this prediction is more about luck. I don't, I don't see Jamie having good luck this year. I don't know why. I just don't. Prove me wrong, Jamie. Prove me wrong. Number nine, Justin. That's right. I said Justin. I mean, I predict Justin's strength will be in his wide receivers in 2022. He may have the best trio of wide receivers in the league, but I think this will be another situation about luck. I think if it's not an injury, he may reach on one of his top two running back picks in the draft, and I think this is going to plague him all season. Justin, I'm just sorry, bro. I, I don't know. I don't know why I feel this way. Number eight, Radke. That's right. The winningest team. They got the most wins over the last three years, and I predicted that he's going to miss the playoffs this year. I think Radke is fired up about this season. I think he's ready to win the whole goddamn thing. But that is going to influence him to maybe make some bad decisions, some impulsive decisions. He doesn't typically make decisions like this, and I think these decisions are going to backfire. And I think he's going to be on the outside looking in. I'm sorry, Radke. I'm sorry, bro. Prove me wrong. Number seven, Chris Hill. Uh-oh. Chris Hill is going to get the seven seed? Is that what I'm saying? Yes, seven seed. After playing around with his roster like a science project and failing early in the season, as which I predict, I also predict Chris is going to get hot when it counts late in the season. I think he's going to sneak in with that last playoff spot. Number six, Greg and Justin, the new guys. I actually think they're going to come out swinging and they're going to spend much of the season potentially in like the top three. However, I think their luck's going to run out late. Maybe injuries, I'm not sure, but it's going to be something, some shit like that, and they're going to fall to the sixth spot, but still have a shot at contending for the trophy. Number five, Taylor. I predict Taylor starts off slow, slowly works his way up, not to the top, but enough to snag the five seed. I think some late draft picks are going to turn into studs for him. Taylor made it to the championship game as a five seed in 2018. He lost that game to Ryan. But maybe these pieces come together at the right time for him this year. Number four, Adam. Adam had the eye of the tiger last year. Yes, I beat him in the playoffs, but I got scratched up pretty good. He's going to put up another squad that will be downright scary at times. He's going to be in the mix late in the season. He's going to smell the trophy. But he has to pounce on it and rape it and eat it. Number three, Shane. I predict Shane is going to slightly dominate just about everybody all season. Derrick Henry is going to come back from that injury in legendary form. Dalvin Cook is going to dominate. Shane's going to have the best running back committee in the league. He will put himself in a position to be drinking beer from the trophy. Watch out, people. Shane will stomp on your penis He's going to be dialed in when it counts this year. I will regret trading him Derrick Henry, most likely. Number two, Debo. The problem with our defending champion is he put together a squad last year that has many great keeper options. He's going to have the most to build from, and he's going to be loaded with talent. I think he will lose some close games this season, but also score a shit ton of points. So, I mean, I think he's going to look, he's going to smell, and he's going to sound like a repeat champion, probably late in the season. But will he pull it off, though? Number one. Yes, yours truly, Mazel Tov Cocktails. 
You could argue I'm biased, and if that is your argument, you would be correct. I have to believe that I will be the best fucking team in the league this season. I got my first taste of playoff victories, and now I smell blood in the water. Best believe I'm coming back bigger, better, stronger, harder, all that shit, and it's really going to happen this time. Mazel Tov cocktails will be drinking from the trophy next season. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. So that's it. Those are my fucking predictions. If you don't like it, come prove me wrong. I'm winning this bitch next season. That's the only goddamn guarantee for my prediction show. Of course, it's quite possible I'm a total fucking clown and all the predictions are total shit. Either way, I'm fucking looking forward to this shit, boys. Boners up. 2022 season. Let's fucking go. 